Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. When you pick up some scratches cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap You could build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways Thanks to scratches from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Devin Das. He is a writer, producer, and actor whose darkly satirical film Keeping Company is releasing tomorrow. And his new film, Wes Schlagenhoff is dying, is premiering at Tribeca. Welcome to the show. Did I butcher that or did I get it kind of remotely correct? <laughs> uh, you, I will say, you got it exactly correct. I think you said Schlagenhoff. And that yeah. is okay, cool. That is exactly how you say his name. And we cannot wait for people to go schlag. Like, they're going to destroy his name. <laughs> and it's going to be so funny to us. I mean, that's why we kept his last name in it. It's so funny. It's It's terrible. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you about your films, but let's bring it back to the very beginning. How did you get introduced to horror? Oh, yes. I've I've been so excited for you to ask me this question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listening to this podcast for a while, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for them to ask me. My intro to horror is not even film my, uh, or 
games or you know and it, it's my family uh and that sounds so fucked up <laughs> it's oh boy. it's not as it's not as fucked up as as i just i like dropped that like it was a big bomb uh what it is is i have i have i come from a family my mom's side in particular my mom is the oldest of five and her and her siblings are very close they grew up very close knit together because they like moved together a bunch as kids or whatever. So like my aunts like are also like they raised me in part with my mom. All mm-hmm. of them are <laughs> all of them are the reason I love horror and thriller because they love horror and thr- thriller films, but they, there's nothing they love more than like spooking each other. So like <laughs> so like growing up as a kid at a very young age, probably too young of an age, it's like crazy that I'm like a stable person but like i'll even i'll even tell you some of the like the scary stories that aren't even that scary anymore but that like scared the hell out of me as a kid but they would like literally like also my aunt pam would take me down into the basement of my grandmother's house like as a little kid and like carry me in her like in her arms i'm like you know whatever three or four but i remember this shit because it scared the hell out of me and we dude i she had this this is this is like the main thing that I'm like I'm like oh this is what instilled it in me. But she um had this and I don't know why, but she had this this puppet on a stick. I don't even know how to describe it. It was so fucked up. It was so god and it did it's not like it had a name or anything. it wasn't like Mr. This or something like that. It was just a fucking puppet on a stick. I don't know where it came from. And now that we're talking about this, I actually need to bring this up to my aunt and be like, where the fuck did that thing come from? Why did you have it? What was it? But it was this puppet on a stick. It was like almost I think it was like like an owl, like a black owl or something, but like it was it was not just like an animal. It felt very creature-esque. On a stick. And she would and she knew I fucking hated it. So she would she would take me, pick me up and take the puppet and be like, we're gonna go into the basement. We're gonna and I'd be like, no, no, stop. It was like a game to her. You know, and I think like when I was like a really young kid, like I think like my younger aunts, they were like in their mid to late twenties, you know? So it's like I had a similar experience because my aunts and uncles were like 10 when I was born. My my youngest yeah. aunt and uncle. So they treated yeah. me like a sibling. Yeah. And they love to fuck with you. And they think yeah. that you're just a little sibling. That's what it was, dude. Like, it was one of those things where as a kid, I was like, oh, my God, this is like, like growing up, I loved, I loved them. I was so close to them. I weirdly, I weirdly, I'm like, I knew that they would protect me even though they scared the shit out of me, you know? But right. like. Yeah. But like as I've gotten and become an adult, I'm like, oh, they were kids too. I'm older than they are than than they were. You know what I mean? Like so, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, they were just fucking with me, and I'll probably do that <laughs> with like nieces and nephews that I had. You know what I mean? But anyways, so like that's like one thing. Like she would take me in the basement with it, and I'd start yelling, screaming, no, stop! You know, like please, like stop. <laughs> and that was like, uh, God, I'll, I'll, it's seared in my brain, and I, it was terrified the shit out of me. And it, but it instilled this like love for feeling scared like I love haunted houses and so like I I love to go to like a haunted hayride where like things mm. jump out at you and like it's just, it like makes me weirdly feel like a kid again you know it's just like I love it I, it's one of those things where 
they instilled that. And then it was just like, and then it was just like storytelling amongst family. Like I come from a pretty big or like a decent sized Indian size, Indian family. And like, it's very tight knit. And we would just sit around like until late at night. Like my, my family are such night birds. So we would just like, um, stay up late, tell stories, watch movies, whatever. And so like horror was just, once I started watching movies, which wasn't soon after that, once I started watching movies, it was like, I loved horror and thriller films. Like my, my family loves them. They love to be scared. They love mystery and being on the edge of your seat. And they just, it just got instilled in me like right away. And I was watching movies way too soon, like certain (laughs) movies, like way too soon. I know, I know you've had other guests in the past that have said the same thing where it's like, oh, they were watching movies movies that they shouldn't have been watching but like you know the silence of the lambs watching that at like probably six years old whoa (laughs) which is fucking dark like thinking about it now is like dark it's crazy that's a heavy one but like even at the same time like do you even totally get what's going on at six because like no you get get it sort of but at the same time there's so much like kind of big things happening that i feel like at that age you're like I cannot truly conceptualize what no. is happening in front of me, but it's kind of weird. I think most of it washes over you, but what what resonates, I think, is is truly the feeling it it instills. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like you just you just yeah. know because visually and the music and and even and obviously visually, if there's gore or you know any sort of violence or whatever, you know it's fucked up. Like so, I think like. Even if I, I definitely didn't know the nuances of that film, you know, or, or any, or any, uh, horror through, I'm trying to think of like some other one. Like, I mean, you know, what's really funny is, and I, I almost picked this for the episode, but like Children of the Corn, like just watching like oh. films where like there was a lot of gore. At least I remember there being a lot of gore in that movie. I don't, I haven't seen that one in a while, but, um, but like things where I was like, oh God, like my, and my and my parent my family didn't think twice about it because they were just like oh we're all together just watching the and this is what we like to watch it was it's so funny to me. like there were no limitations on it and also last thing I'll say though is like my mom is a is a psychologist was a psychologist she's retired now but for thirty five years in the correctional facility in correctional facilities oh wow so she has she was a psychologist for inmates in maximum and medium security prisons um and it's and it's you know yeah yeah heavy stuff but like you know and she did it out of the passion of wanting to actually rehabilitate people you know which our prisons our prison system doesn't do that whatsoever Uh -uh. you know and not interested and as as not interested not at all uh because it doesn't pay um but like but she, for, for better or for worse, like her, she is obsessed with human psychology, which I think, you mm. know, is obviously what so much horror and, and thriller yeah. is derived from. And I think I, I'm very much like her in that sense, I think. That's so interesting. Thanks you said about your mom, though, because I literally the other day was thinking, what's it like? I, I don't know why. I was like, what's it like to be a prison psychiatrist? Like, I know that's so weird for me to randomly think about that, but I saw something <laughs> yeah. on TikTok about it. And I was like, huh. So yeah. that's very weird that that happened. But wow, she, she had some pretty fucking crazy experiences for sure. Um, and she's and I like love a that tiny... she watches horror movies still. Like she just is oh. like, oh fuck, yeah. Oh, she loves them. She loves horror films. Like she, there's nothing too strange or crazy for her or my family in general to watch. Like uh, almost the crazier the better. It's really weird. I don't know where it comes from for them either. 
So what are some of, like, your family favorites together? I wonder what yours are, but I'm also very curious yeah. like, what your family likes to watch together. Or, like, your fa- their favorite kind of that, yeah. You know, that's a great question. Like, I remember, uh, well, one of them was The Bone Collector was a big oh, one. Wow. Oh, yeah. I think okay. I was I think I was about I forget exactly what year that came out, but I'm pretty sure I was like somewhere between 8 and 10 when that film came out, when The Bone Collector came out, which is still pretty young like to watch 99. that movie. Okay, so I was 10. You know, and that's still pretty young to watch a movie. Like that movie's pretty dark and like I don't know if it holds up, but like that was like a big one. Oh, you know what was a big one? 7. 7 was a big one. Okay, so I see. I see what your family likes. <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, yeah, it's psychological thrillers. Like anything with a serial killer, anything with, you know, it was always more so. Yeah, wow. Now that we're talking about this, I'm like, yeah, it was. It was. It was less like ghosts and ghouls, and it was more like psychological. The horrors like, of man. No, it was. It was the horror, horrors of man. Like it really, truly was like how fucked up are people? Like at the core. Oh, you know another one. Oh fuck! What what was it called? Um. Well, I think there was Skeleton Key, right? You mm-hmm. guys remember the, Skeleton Key? Yeah, I, the Kate Hudson one, right? Where she's the, the, yeah, no, she's that's in, not the one yeah. though. Oh, 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 the one with um. Oh shit! Uh, the others, I think, is what oh, it was. With Nicole, oh, Kidman? With Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. That one, oh. I, and by the way, I don't remember if, I don't know if any of these hold up, but I just remember as a kid watching all of does. these. Does it? Okay. See, now that I know the twist of that movie, though, I'm like, oh, am I going to enjoy it? But I, I should rewatch that one. Wow, I'm listing a lot of movies I probably could have, like, thrown in as my movie <laughs> for us. It's so I funny, the it. movie we are going to talk about um, <laughs> compared to these. Yeah, a lot of psychological thrillers. The Others was one. I remember just like, ugh, that one, that one scared the shit out of me. So you, you watched a lot of movies as a family. Were you a scared kid growing up? Did, were you a scaredy cat watching all of these? Or uh, what a great question! Yes, but also like again, like it was such a thrill to me. It's okay. Mm. It, the the other thing that I love to equate this to is like you know how people love to go on roller coasters for the thrill. Yep. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate roller coasters. I don't go on <laughs> roller coasters. I hate the feeling of my stomach dropping or whatever. But you put you you make me like sit in a dark room and watch a terrifying movie by myself in an empty home. I'll do yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like to mm-hmm. me, that's my roller coaster, and I love it. So like growing up, I would be terrified. Like I would, I would, I I have memories of. Well, funny to even bring up Children of the Corn once again, but I, I have, I think that movie, God, I was like five when I watched that movie. Or no, wow. I, I was, I was maybe seven. I was seven. I was seven. Cause I remember I was, we were in a house, a new house that we had just moved into. I was seven years old watching Children of the Corn. And I think that's probably pretty intense for a seven year old, but yeah. I, I remember going to the bathroom and this would happen with a lot of movies, but I just remember with that one in particular going to the bathroom. Like my, I was like, can you pause it? I have to go to the bathroom and just going to the bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror and telling myself it's okay. Cause you're a kid. Oh. Like I was fucking terrified. <laughs> I was terrified, but I was like, it's okay. You're safe. Cause you're a kid. Cause you're a kid. Wow. I mean, true. But to answer your question, I was terrified, but I loved it. But you loved it. But okay. I loved it. But like, I would get scared. Like, I would if I had to like like going to bed later that night was not easy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Do you still get scared now as an adult? Yes, yes. Short answer, yes. And 
And I love it. Part of it is me knowing that I'm doing it to myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm leaning into it where I'm like, oh, dude, stop doing this to yourself. Like, like, like no joke. The Conjuring, I, I think, is one of the most terrifying modern horror films, in my opinion, just the way it was crafted. It is. It is crafted uh-huh. really well. Oh. I love yeah. the, the play of dark in the... I just, there's oh, so many. the clapping. Oh, my God. I just think the way it was crafted is so spine tingling and mm-hmm. done so well. So that movie, I referenced that movie because I introduced, it's so funny, my wife is not, was, is not a horror thriller fan, but okay. she is now. Because okay. of because of me, she's like, okay, can we watch? She's like, okay, can we watch Insidious? And then we watch Insidious, and she's like, oh. okay, now we have to watch Insidious two tomorrow night. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> if you want to. Um, it's so funny. And Insidious scared the shit out of me. Like Insidious shit out of me. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. yeah, we we went on a binge. Like I think during COVID, like you know, I think a year ago, we went on a binge watching. Like for me, it was rewatching a lot of these. But like her being like, well, I haven't seen these yet. And so we oh, that's so, so cool. I. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So we so we watched The Conjuring one night, and we, we we ended up putting it on late. I think it ended around midnight, and you know we're we're going to bed, and I like went to the bathroom, and I'm walking down my hall, and I'm like I'm not in like a super big apartment, but big enough for me to like have this hallway from my bathroom to yeah. my door, and I remember just being like. Oh fuck! I was just like, <laughs> I like, I like looked into the dark living room and I was just like, just don't look in there, just don't fucking look in there, and just like, I, I just literally tell myself, don't look there, and just like, gun it, do what you got to do, and get out. Like, and I also, I don't like, I get scared sometimes, even if the movie has nothing to do with like mirrors, I like don't look in a mirror at night, like after watching a scary movie. <laughs> I like get I afraid mean, something's gonna pop up behind me. I mean, it's jump yep. scare one hundred and one for that. <laughs> one hundred and one, or outside the window. <laughs> I'm like, I don't right. look outside. Oh, oh. The window, the window. I hate. I can't do the window. The window windows terrify like- me. I was just thinking about this because um, I I wear contacts and I am. Mm-hmm completely blind with and i don't have them in and Me i was too. thinking yep. about the walk from like my 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 bathroom <laughs> into my room and i'm like i can't see if anything's gonna happen so like yeah. i'm just like you know something could be literally standing to the side of me and i'd be like well i'm just gonna walk yeah. past it because i can't see it <laughs> okay Blessing and so a curse. Let, me, let me share my secret shame here with everybody so oh, yes I, please i this i just like expose myself on this podcast <laughs> all the time it's really quite therapeutic i so love it i have I am t- I'm not as scared of the dark as I used to be, but I'm still scared of the dark. Yes, I am scared of the dark. A a grown woman who writes about horror movies for a living <laughs> is scared of the dark. I admit that. You watch some pretty na- nasty shit too. I do. I watch a lot of <laughs> fucked up shit, and I so. But I've always been scared of the dark since I was a kid, and so I would wear my glasses to sleep so I could wake up and see. <laughs> And I still do that because I forget to take them off out of habit. <laughs> I'm not as wor- I'm not worried about that anymore for real. But I just keeps I still fall asleep with them on because I have to have them on and I have to know they're right there in case something wakes me up in the night. I'm so pa- I was so paranoid for the so longest funny. time about it. And my my prescription is so bad that I mm. I just like can't see shit. Same. So yeah. you yeah. not having your glasses is like oh my god that would like give oh, me a yeah. fucking heart attack. I would shit out my spine. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> shit out your spine um i uh i can fully relate because i'm blind as a bat too yeah. uh love that we're all in the same boat here but um but it's like it's one of those things where it's like i know that if there were a zombie apocalypse i'm one of the first to go 
my glasses yeah, my glasses get stepped on i'm done i'm, I'm mm-hmm. one of those i'm, in a, the, I'm twilight I'm, zone boy when your glasses right. shatter and you're like you're done we're 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 bottom of you're the done. food chain we're we're done mm-hmm. we're scavenging for contacts we're like trying to yeah. find anything yeah like there's yeah. just no mm-hmm. way yeah, mm-hmm. so we're... This is why I have six pairs of glasses all ordered cheaply from the <laughs> internet, so I'll always have a backup. You'll be good. You'll be good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But, um, I'm, so you talked about The Conjuring being, like, something that scared you recently, but there are there any other films that have really gotten to you that you've seen as of late? Yeah, I mean, Conjuring, Insidious, those movies are really get to me um, under my skin. Uh, Hereditary was one that mm-hmm. just like got fully under my skin. Like, ugh. like I mean, Midsommar didn't even do it to me the same way. That opening of Midsommar mm-hmm. did, but like, ugh. but like, yeah. oh, that opening. Yeah, I could just talk about that opening for for an hour. It was so gnarly. But the Hereditary was definitely one. Take a drink, listeners. That Everyone one takes says up a Hereditary. Lot. Everyone yeah, says Hereditary. It's just, I know. I know. Saying it is so is is cliche at this point because it's no. like. Seriously, it's it's on my list of movies that scared me as, as me an adult. Too. Like it's yeah, and it's just how it's crafted. I mean, and mm-hmm. the performances. It's like it's so. It's just yeah. God, that one's. But but you know what? Also, I will say about Hereditary. I also list that as one of because I saw that in the theaters, 2018. I think it came out. I saw that in theaters, and I saw it like midday. So there's like maybe five other people in the theater. It's one of the biggest laughs that I have had in a movie. Uh, recently because that because because I was so uncomfortable when she's uh-huh. up in the yeah. when she's up in the ceiling and she's like floating away but like when uh-huh. they when once you reveal once you realize she's there uh, up in the uh, in the corner of the ceiling I was so like terrified and also like I just laughed out loud I, and it was like me and five other people and I'm the only one I laughed I was like laughing out <laughs> and they're loud like is this man okay is this guy okay this guy thinks this is funny but I laughed because I was so uncomfortable but then I was also like it's fucking hysterical to me I can't describe why but it was I mean I can it's just so off it's so like ridiculous it's, it's so ridiculous and then and then she starts swimming away and I was like okay all right he he hit the joke yeah, actually I laughed when she was sawing her head off, which is not funny, oh. but I think just like it, I think it's just like the culmination of everything, and you're just like the tension. What? It's like so you, just, you you can't help but like that's you know you scream or you laugh, and you're just yeah. like this is just too much for my brain to process in this yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, it's like weirdly a moment of levity because there's just so much going on, and you're like, wow, this yeah. is now funny. It's so fucked up. But so let's pivot to. The scary stuff that you are working on really quick because you yeah. have a movie that is coming out uh, called Keeping Company. Can you tell us right. a little bit about Keeping Company? Sure. Yes. Uh, Keeping Company is a social satire that follows a couple of insurance men who go knocking on the wrong door. And uh, next thing they know, they find themselves trapped inside of a uh, stranger's basement, a serial killer's basement. And uh, yeah, it's just a movie that begs the question uh, of, can you tell the difference between ruthless corporate salesmen and vicious (laughs) suburban serial killers? So it's, it's really just like an offbeat, eccentric satire that looks to skewer our uh, capitalism and our our obsession with 
profits in this country and around the world, honestly. I think it's much more a global thing yeah. than anything. And just sort of, you know, how the rich profit off of the poor and how we look at humans as being more so these machines rather than actual beings, you know, to, to generate productivity and, and what does it all mean? Like, what does it mean for you as a person and, and your own value, you know, if you don't have a high paying job or you're not bringing in a ton of money or whatever, you know, like all these social expectations and classist norms. Sorry, my dog is still yapping. Really, it's like a lot of heavy themes and sentiments that we just are like trying to skewer with comedy. And like, we brought in horror elements because both Josh Wallace, uh, the director, um, and myself who, you know, we wrote it together. We were just looking to have fun with like all of these like kind of heavy themes. It was Trump era at that time, but I don't think anything, I think it's more relevant than ever. And, you know, it's like, you know, you have your Reagan era films that try to skewer, you know, American capitalism and culture at that time. And it's just like, I think, you know, for us, this movie was a product of the time and still is. And especially our generation, it's like, you know, I think we're all millennials here, right? Like, I think it's yep. like... I'm an elder millennial, but I'm still a millennial. Hey, we're, yeah, hey, you're still, you're still a part of it, right? <laughs> but we've been fucked from the beginning. We were yeah. like, we were like, the, I think we're the last generation to be like, sold the lie. And then, but very quickly, did we have it all start to like, unravel? Like, you know, I mean, I, I just think it's like, it's a product of us being like, God, this is all fucking bullshit. Like, why yeah. Like, why do we put the value, why do we put value on productivity and profit the way that we do? And it's like, we could have such a better, more fulfilled society. And so the movie doesn't provide any answers to what we should be doing next. <laughs> Our goal, I should make that very clear, because uh, then I'm just going to sound like this pretentious artist who didn't actually accomplish his goal. Our goal, though, was we were like, let's, Let's make a movie that, you know, kind of plays with narrative in a way that's like not your, I mean, we didn't want the typical narrative of like happy ending and here's how things got solved. It was more so like, let's hold a mirror to people. Let's make, let's make the audience reflect upon why characters made the decisions that they made, why we made decisions for characters uh, and story and structure that we did. You know, it's like, why did we choose to do that? We didn't just do that. We didn't just try to make a movie you know, it, it's definitely going to be something that people either hate or love because they're not used to movies ending in a certain way that, you know, that we ended up going with or whatever. But like, you know, it, it's it's all to challenge uh, in that sense. Yeah. Well, so I, I saw this last year when it when it it hit Panic Fest and fell in love with it, rewatched it again and prep for the show, still fell in love with it. And what I really keyed on on this last time was the, and it's sort of what you're talking about. There's a lot of he- uh, heady type stuff going on, but then it's, it's very silly and funny and, yeah. and satirical. But what I, what I was thinking about at the time is like, it's really a Venn diagram of, of, of different facets of capitalism because you have like mm-hmm. the corporate Venn diagram going mm-hmm. on. You have like the, the sort of like old, rich, entitled family mm-hmm. that keeps passing on their lineage and fucking over the poor people that's in there. And then you have, on this other end, you have, like, the po- the political side of mm-hmm. the, the campaigner who, I, I, laughing hysterically as he's literally shooing away. Uh, <laughs> but his name is Glenn Gary. Yeah, I mean, we, come on we now. Really, uh, really on the nose with that one. <laughs> but I, but love I love that. how like, all, all these, like, concentric circles are, like, feeding into each other, and in the middle is this movie, because it does tackle everything wrong with capitalism from different perspectives, and yet it's focused on a very um, 
odd couple pairing of of insurance agents and the, the shit they get caught up in. And the insurance company is called Cast Insurance, and it's a pyramid. <laughs> I know, was it's... I was like. I love, but and I love that it's like those things, especially with like the stickers. It says cast insurance at the end. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, it's just so funny and it's so obvious. But that's why it works. I'm I'm so I'm so happy to hear all of that because I think, well, you guys you guys grabbed everything. You took everything that we were going for, which is such it, it's a relief because I don't I, I don't think everyone will and because again I think they're gonna you know I think people are so used to being spoon-fed certain things you know like like you said it is so obvious like we 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 tried to kind of sort of be like listen we're not gonna like we're not trying to be so nuanced here but we did think we did think we were like let's also make it like a film that if you watch a second time around, you're going to go, oh, I, oh, okay, I catch this now a little bit better, or I, or I understand the layering here a little bit better. So that was our goal, and it's really cool to just, it's just cool to know that it, that we accomplished it uh, at least in some sense. Um, so yeah, uh, that that was what we were all going for. And like Terry, like you were saying, like we all those different, like like it being a Venn diagram of all those different aspects coming together, and like that was that was very much our intention was like we wanted to explore or at least showcase through different characters and their arcs um, these different you know it's not just it's not just the people at the top that are making this this wheel go round it takes it's it's sure they're certainly you know puppeteering a lot of things but it also takes people uh, that are striving to be to have a seat at the table. You know, I think we right. always, we mm-hmm. always talk about culturally, you know, it, it, and when it comes to many different aspects, uh, when it comes to many different uh, versions of um, diversity, even where it's like talking about having a seat at the table. And it's like, yes, that I, I, I mean, I'm a person of color. I think that, yes, it's like, you do want more representation um, because it helps reflect, it helps build self-esteem in people. It helps, you know, yeah. in, in younger gender, it's important, but it is also like what takes, are we trying to get a seat at right. you know what i mean and what does it what does it perpetuate because it's at the end of the day no matter what if if you're playing into a system that that furthers exploitation and i just it's what what's it going to what's it going to accomplish it's not you know at the end of the day you might end up becoming the villain right like you right. don't and and i'm not saying that is always the case i'm not saying that the, the good can't be done no, but I do think that um, when, when you are a minority, whether that's because of race, gender, sexual orientation, whatever, whatever right. the case is, you're always fighting for scraps to be at that big, that, that big person's table. And so totally. the system pits you against each other. Yes. So it pits queer people against queer people and it, yes. it POC against POC and women against women to get that one little seat that maybe they can get up there. That only one of us can have. Yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a false ideal. And it's, and it's one of those things where it's... It's like, it's, I mean, it's, it's one, it really is one in a million for that reason. It really is a rigged game for that reason. And it is, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it becomes a game of divide and conquer. And it really is like we're, we're our, we're our identities as people, no matter what you identify as becomes a weapon against you because right. then all, then it's like, well, yeah, I want to focus on my identity. And then it allow, it just allows for your identity to become a point of 
of contention for somebody else who's like, but what about me? And it like becomes, right. like, it's like, no, what about all of us who yep. are all getting played? You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, and collectivism is just so hard and it, but it, it's, it is the answer, but it's just like, you know. Well, and I love that moment without getting into spoilers. There's a moment in, in the film where your character and Noah could be working together to get out Noah. of it. But <laughs> Noah, Noah, <laughs> Noah. He's sweet such boy. a sweet guy. He's yeah, played by Ahmed Barucha, who is yeah. basically, he playing a heightened version of himself. He's Aww. the sweetest guy ever. Yeah. He seems so sweet. He's, but there's yeah. a moment where you... <laughs> Where the, that collectivism, that kind of joining yeah. together could work, and it it doesn't because the system again is pitting the two yeah. of you against each other. Yeah, and I just that's why I think honestly, and I would say this even if you weren't here, I think this movie is so smart, and I love the intricate plotting in terms of all these different plot threads that. It's like they feel so disparate, and yet they all seem to come together in a very uh, violent and bloody um, ending. And I just <laughs> I love it. Thank I you. I love movies that are plotted like this. It's Thank my, this you. This is my jam. This is, I just, again, I already told you this. This means so much to me to hear that, uh, to my indie filmmaking heart. We, Josh and I made a movie that we just wanted to watch. Like, that was our goal. Mm. We were like, we don't, I think, I think it's easy to fall into traps of like, well, trying to fit into a someone else's box. And for us, we were like, mm-hmm. let's just make a fucking movie that we want to watch. I mean, it, obviously, we drew inspiration from lots of different filmmakers and films and that we love and that we were, in some senses, trying to copy, of course. I mean, everyone does that. But, like, we were like, let's not make our first film, you know, something that feels like, I don't know, that you've just seen a million times before. Yeah. And sure, maybe not everyone's going to love it, but at least it's something that we want to watch and that at least some people will like. And and so it's great to know that it is your jam and that it is somebody's jam. <laughs> like, like it's great to know that. Uh, and it yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And also, so this movie comes out the day after this episode drops. And then Tribeca, I believe, is that weekend. And you yeah. have... A film that is premiering at Tribeca. How how yeah. wild is that that they're both coming out like literally at the same time? It's very surreal. You know, I it, it's funny because it hasn't really started to it hasn't hit me yet. Um because I've just been so busy getting both of them across the finish line with my teams, uh yeah. my respective teams on each of them. And we've just been like we're all we're all very excited, but we're all like also like, oh, we got to deliver this and deliver that, you know, like, but the fact that it's two movies are coming out in the same week that I'm a part of is it's, it's just surreal. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, you know, I didn't grow up. I grew up being a film nerd, loving film, you know, loving horror, loving thriller. Like I said, with my family and all of that, I didn't grow up with a camera in my hand. I didn't grow up even with a pen in my hand. I, yeah. I didn't really know. I, I was like, I mean, I was still am a bit of a, a weirdo where I would like talk to myself in the mirror and make up scenarios. Uh, so in that sense, it was like, oh, it was always there, but I didn't know yeah. what I was doing with it. Um, and here I am after like, you know, 10 years of like having moved out to L.A. 10 years ago, just like trying to be like, I'm just going to try and figure it out. I don't know how it's going to work out. But to, I say all of that to just be like to ha- now have two movies coming out the same week. It feels it feels like. I'm not I didn't do it to prove to anyone else but myself and it's one of those things where I'm like oh shit maybe maybe it maybe it's possible um that's that's like how I feel right now which is like such a yeah. under it's such an underwhelming thing to tell you but I no. all I, all I feel is I'm like for the first time ever I feel like okay maybe it's possible 
<laughs> and I so that. I, it's that's like where I'm at. That's how I feel about it. Hell yeah. And I, I don't know. I just, I think there's a lot of people who want to be filmmakers who I know that are really talented and that I don't know that are very talented that want to do indie film and it's like, or do any sort of film or TV or whatever. And I, it's just like, it is that thing of like, you got to just go out and do it, but you also just have to like, you have to be also prepared to also not be an artist because there's the business side of it that I didn't know shit about until like five years ago. And that shit's crazy too. So it's cool. It's cool to like (laughs) have learned. It's a whole other world to learn. You just gotta like jump into it. You just gotta jump into it and figure it out. And, um, and anyways, it's all possible. I just want the audience to know it's all possible. (laughs) Anything is possible. Anything um, speaking is... of anything that is possible, let's talk about the movie <laughs> brought today. Nice transition. Not as seamless as I thought it was going to be, but that's okay. Devin, yeah. what movie did you bring with you today for us to talk about? I brought 1993's <laughs> The Good Son. Oh my god. Okay, so uh, The Good Son, for everybody who has not heard of it. A young boy played by a darling babe, Elijah oh, Wood. Oh, he's so young and a baby. Baby! And saves baby. his aunt and uncle and becomes friends with his cousin, played by a baby Macaulay Culkin. Yep. A boy of the same age who shows increasing signs of violent <laughs> and psychopathic <laughs> behavior. <laughs> Devin, uh, why yes. did you pick this movie? Tell us your yes. Scarred for Life tale. Yes. Okay. God, this movie is... Oh, God, I can't wait to hear not because I think it's going to bring me pleasure or anything, but I can't wait to hear your story. You, you've like you have you have really. Uh, oh, God, it's, uh, you've oh really God. set the tone with I can't wait to hear what your story is. Um, mine's not, OK. All right. The Good Son came out in 93. So I was born in 89. So I was like four years old when it came out. I did not see it when I when I was four. I saw it. But but I'm okay. So I'm not. I've been I've been trying to do for the past few days trying to been trying to do the math of like when did I see it. So this is one of those movies that my mom did not rent from Blockbuster, but she bought from Blockbuster. Oh okay. Uh, oh okay okay. I don't okay. I don't. And she had never seen it. I'm pretty sure she had never seen it, but she bought it. So what I'm my guess is like because I I also saw that the reviews were pretty bad for it. It probably like went to like a bargain bin pretty quickly. Um, she bought it. Uh, and again, it's a psychological thriller uh, that she brought home. And I must have been like five or six or maybe seven when I watched this movie. And I have not watched the movie since then up until a few nights ago for this conversation. But it's it scarred me because of... I think for, okay, for a few reasons. But A, it was seeing kids that two young boys who I, like, I was around their age, you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm seeing all of this deeply fucked up shit happen in the movie because of, like, these, these two kids, like, going through it. I think that just really hit me, like, resonated with me in a way of, like, it just felt very relatable i don't know it just felt really relatable where i was like i'm their age this could happen Mm -hmm. to like i could meet someone like that or i could you know whatever but then i think you know the movies so lean so heavily on the themes of loss and grief and Mm -hmm. guilt yeah which i think it which by the way i think it does very well and i i really you know it's elijah wood loses his mom in the opening of the movie and i (laughs) 
I mean, I, you know, I think I thought about it. I just, I think it hit me where it's like, what if I lose my mom? What if I lose anyone I love? This movie really makes you think about like losing the ones that you love and how that, you know, it like really leans into that grief and, and the blame you put on yourself. And I was a kid, I I probably didn't pick up on a ton of the nuances, but I knew that I didn't want anyone I love to die. And, and it hit me. I'm like, I, I, I just remember feeling such deep sadness from this movie, like the movie finished and I felt so sad. And the one thing that was seared into my brain was that final iconic end of the movie, um, the mm, cliff scene mm -hmm. seared into my brain. Just like, holy shit. It's insane. On the rocks. rocks. Which, by the way, I think I gotta get. I think it was executed pretty well, like from a direction point. Because, like, rewatching it, I was like, I'm feeling pretty tense right now. Like, I feel like on the edge of my seat. Like, visually, this is captivating the way they shot it. I I really liked how they shot it, actually. But, but yeah, no, it just left me feeling so deeply sad. And and I don't remember much from the time, like. Uh, like it wasn't like any like big I, I hadn't lost anyone in my family uh around that time i hadn't like you know i everything was like pretty peachy like at that time of my life like it was all pretty okay and this movie just m- left me feeling torn up like feeling like it could be my family you know like it could right. it just mm-hmm. it really hit that yeah. emotional core for me which you know it just it got me good plus i was like seven years old you know like i don't think i was much older <laughs> right. You right and i'm like it, it's it was it's a fucked up movie for a seven-year-old to watch it's rated r i shouldn't have been watching it but uh yeah, well, so it's like all of that stuff. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, because earlier when you were talking about um, the Children of the Corn, you were talking about how you looked in the mirror and is like, I'm a kid, I, w- I will be okay. Yeah. And this movie is the exact opposite of that. It is saying like, no, right. if you're a kid, you yeah. can still get fucked up, you can still yes. be killed, you can still have to deal with kids that are absolutely horrors Ye- towards you. And so it kind of, it feels dangerous in that regard, I would think. Yes, I, I 100%. Like, I... Like, again, I don't have a ton of memory of, like, what my actual thoughts were on the movie. Mm-hmm. I do remember just being, like, I am sad. Yeah. Very sad. And and it, I felt, I think it, it's, it's, I felt sad and I, it, I felt in danger. Like, mm-hmm. I literally did. It just felt like I'm, I could be in this kind of danger um, some way or another. And, yeah, I, it was just, it just, it left me feeling torn up and I have not I didn't watch the movie ever again uh, because I just truly was like I don't want to watch that movie um, but it's and so I don't I didn't remember much from it other than that that last end scene that I really like was like seared into my brain and re-watching it now as I was watching it like scene by scene I was like oh it's this movie like it was like weirdly like I don't know how to describe it I was like oh mm-hmm. right this scene is from this movie like yep. like the Mr. Highway shit and like the 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 well them standing on the well and like all of it which by the way rewatching it now I'm like I'm uncomfortable I am deeply uncomfortable rewatching it. So yeah, that's what scarred. It just scarred me by like emotionally. I think like it just really in that way. It's funny to me that you said that you you you're like you don't have you uh, like specific memories about this movie because I was hundred percent convinced I had seen this movie and I started watching it and I was like 
I don't know if I've seen this movie. Oh. <laughs> here's the thing. I thought in my mind going into this, I was immediately like side side like slapped against the face. Cause like, wait, I thought his mom died and a new mom came in and brought a kid with him. I thought that was the story. Oh. I thought that it was like a, a new kid coming into the house. And I was like, yeah, this is the, you know, the good son, you know, the two families coming together. Oh. And so like, I'm watching this going, this is not how I remember this. And like, <laughs> I remember specific scenes coming out, but then I started thinking, you know what, this movie, the trailers for this movie were ubiquitous back in the 90s and back then right. it was a time where like you know they would be in front of vhs tapes and unless you got up and hit fast forward or you had your remote and were fast forwarding through it you watched the right. trailers for movies yeah. there was yeah. no escaping it and so i i don't know if i saw this movie and just completely blinked on it or if i just yeah. saw enough trailers to it that i had I, what i had <laughs> of the movie pieced together in my mind because i don't remember uh-huh. anything about this okay. movie except specific like images that would have been trailer real material yeah oh that's so <laughs> interesting so what did you think of it well i i have a lot of questions um <laughs> First of all, the the title, the, not the title, but the the font for like the opening credits is it Comic oh. Sans? I was like, what it's is this font? It's not Comic Sans, but it's similar. <laughs> it's a similar. I was staring at it. It's not, yes. but it's got a similar vibe to it. It's got a, that cartoony vibe where you're like, well, it kind of kind of gives that kind of like childhood feel to it. Like you're watching something yes. that is for kids. Because like this, what is up with this font? <laughs> was my question. It's incredible. That font is that's so funny because I feel like it was the same tone as the score. The score of that movie. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, is this a joke? <laughs> I know. This movie is so melodramatic, this viewing. <laughs> it is me- it is dripping in like oh, after dripping. school special energy. Like melodrama after school special energy is so funny watching it. It's hysterical. It's, I'm watching it now. Good when God. I tweeted about watching it, someone uh, uh, replied to me and, and said that the Barney Fife theme just like got to them. Like, and that, yeah. <laughs> that is, that's like, it, it is, it's very like, you know, saccharine and sweet. And then it, it cuts to, you know, him standing in like the Arizona desert that looks like it could be oh Mars. My God. Like it feels so alien. Oh and my then God. His, his mom is dying from cancer. I think cancer. And yeah, it's just like, it, it's, it goes from this very model in saccharine sweet to like, this shit is is dark and the kid yeah. is feeling guilt because he's like I will you're not going to die and it's yeah. a little there's a little bit of a comedy there I think because he's like I will not let you die and then it cuts to the funeral the I funeral. remember I'm I, like Look at the ashes, like, flying in front of his fucking face. Like, not just his funeral. I don't know if this is darkly humorous on purpose, but I'm like, this is, this shit is funny. It's just like the jump cut from him being like, you're not going to die. And like, haha, your mom's ashes are getting scared. You're just like. I know. There were moments where I was like, and I, and I, it's so funny. That, that stuck out to me. And then I was like, okay, they clearly are just trying to get to it. Like, they're clearly just trying to, like, get it moving. I'm sure the edit was like, I'm sure the edit was way longer. And they're like, come on, come on, come on. It, it, there are those moments where you're like, that's, this is hysterical. This is so Mm -hmm. bad. This, like, setup is, but, but once it gets to it, you're sort of like, okay, wait a minute. This is an entirely different movie all of a sudden. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that immediately like I have a couple things a couple notes that immediately jumped out to me the other one is that he decides to drive from Arizona to Maine I know. to drop this kid off and I'm like I okay I I googled I google maps this shit I was like that is a 43 hour drive and he says that he did it in three days I'm like okay you were driving for 16 hours 
each Every day. day. Yeah. I mean, maybe. That sounds, like, but... that sounds like something my parents would do. Like, that has been done before in my family. So, like, I actually don't deny that one. I'm not. I think it's dumb, especially, like, you're going to Tokyo, you're driving your fucking yes. Jeep to a goddamn yeah. island, and then you're going to go to, like. It may no, because I'm like, what? wait. When he dropped him off, I was like, wait, but doesn't he have to drive back now? Well, that was, yeah. I was like, going to go to Tokyo? Yeah. yeah, I was like, what? And the, my, but the best part though was when Elijah Wood runs out yes. of the truck and then just stands in the sand and it cuts. Like, there's no moment I, of like a sweet father son moment. It's just no. him staring into the desert and then cutting to them on the ferry. I was like, I they know. just they should have just not had this beginning. It was crazy. I I literally exclaimed. I literally sat there and went and I said, what? Because I. <laughs> he he just runs out to the desert. They hold for a beat and then cut to the rushing water of the ocean. Like I was like, "What is happening right now? This is <laughs> like, so is he bad." Is he driving to the airport? No, he is driving him all the way to Maine. <laughs> so bad. It was so dumb. It was it was just like it didn't make any sense. Because also, wait a minute. I I had another question. The, was that his brother? Is that his uncle that he's staying with? Yeah, I. I I think no, no. It's it's the sister, right? Wasn't no. Okay. Oh, even worse if that's the case because so the my, the question I had was if that's his uncle or even worse if that's his aunt, his mom's sister. Why weren't they at the funeral? Because he shows up. He shows up to the house and she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it's been ten years." And it's like, wait a minute, this whole family stayed back and didn't come to the funeral. <laughs> So the 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 uncle did. The uncle went to the funeral. So he right, but I I'm still confused. I'm like, aren't you all family? Why didn't you like? What's happening right now? Also, like, no one mentioned the death of the other kid until like Blase <laughs> mentioning the drowning of a child, oh like God. randomly. I'm like, I feel like like that context would probably have been helpful to set up. Like, hey, by the way, like, yeah, it didn't. The, yeah, <laughs> like thinking about the it, the setup is very it. confusing. The setup makes zero sense. You're just I, like, I, yeah. I had a ton of questions where I was like, it just feels like they literally, if they just didn't, if they just, there were so many ways to do it in a clean way. I don't like you. I don't know. It yeah, did, the dad didn't have to drive him. It it made no difference if the dad drove him or not. If the whole family came to the funeral, the family could have taken him back with them. Ooh, family road trip with your psycho kid. Oh, that would have been fascinating. <laughs> yeah. My only thought was that it is an eighty-three minute movie, so maybe they wanted to make sure that it was hitting that eighty-minute mark for sure, and so added in yeah. a bit more. Like that's the only thing I could think of because, like, that's a good it, point. It has a real. I, I think the opening of this movie is really bad. I think it gets really interesting once the dynamics are established yes. and they're and they're in Maine. But that opening bit, I was like, I had so many questions. I was just like, I don't. Why? Why are we doing this? Why it's are we so even doing this? Bad. It's I, so like, bizarre. It, it is one of, to its credit. It gets to the new world oh. pretty quickly. But like in that 15 minutes, you're like, what am I? What's happening? Where? I know. I was like, am I remembering this movie correctly? Like, is this the movie that I remember watching as a child? Yeah. And and it's funny, too, because during that first 15 minutes, I was like, because I was watching it, you know, a few nights ago for the first time in however long. And I was like, I can't believe I suggested this movie to them. I was like, oh, my fucking God. But then as it kept going, I was like, oh, OK, OK, OK. I think it's going to no. be I think there's going to be stuff to talk about. <laughs> No, this movie gets guess this movie gets really fun in my opinion. It's I yeah. think there's like it's a little um I fun. don't know. 
What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> Again, I didn't watch this movie as a kid, I don't think, now. And so, like, for me, it was just like, yeah, go yeah. fuck each other up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually that's a really great perspective because well and that was like another thing too rewatching it what made me laugh there were moments where you're like there's these two very young kids saying lines of dialogue as if they are 40 year old men yes. and it was so funny to me I was it like is. this is crazy the tin of cigarettes and just lights oh a cigarette. I was rolling. I was watching this today while I was working. I was like, "Is that Macaulay Culkin just whipping out a it's... cigarette?" Like, and he just is like passes it to Elijah Wood. Like, it, like what? He... <laughs> it's so funny. You're, for no, it, it, like that choice of like, oh, he's a. We have to. We have to start. You know, implying that he's a bad boy or whatever. I'm like, a cigarette. And he smokes. He's smoking. What yeah. I loved finding out about this, though, is that it was written by Ian McEwen, who probably most known for his book Atonement that Wait. became a movie. Oh, so the that... writer of this movie wrote Atonement. Interesting. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, now I'm he looking. He also wrote another book I really love. I can't remember the name of it, but he's a really good writer. He wrote, he got the Booker Prize for Amsterdam f- from 1998. And then he wrote The Children Act, Nutshell, Machines Like Me. Um, wow. Yeah, Atonement. And he wrote, and you, like, knowing that, there are some very writerly things in this. In this yes. that, like, feels oh, yeah. like, like, the fact that he lost his mom, the mom lost her son. You know, there's that bond there. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, that yeah, dynamic. Yeah. There's the, the lines of dialogue. Like, again, the you were dialogue. talking about about him, about Macaulay Culkin, I think, like, a 40-year-old. They're like, if I let you go, you think you could fly? Like, no kid's going to say that. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's very writerly. <laughs> it's so writerly. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, the, the dialogue was just like, yeah. The di- Weirdly, the, God, those two, credit to those two two dudes, those two kids mm-hmm. at, when they were kids for actually pulling it off in a way where you're like, well, they're good actors. They're actually like, these kids would never talk this way, but yet I am weirdly still very invested by their performances because mm-hmm. of how good they were but but the writing was like oh my god this is just like even moments of like elijah wood's character as he's starting to lose it and like starting to get a little you know like he's like no one believes me and it it just like all ramps up so fast he just all of a sudden all of a sudden like you won't believe me you're on his side and then like you're like what the fuck when did this happen really quickly he starts shoving all the food down the garbage and like i was i'm watching this and i'm like i'm both really upset for this child but also like how did he like i don't know I feel like kids, it's just a lot of weird emotional reactions for a child in this scenario. I know. It was just so over the top. And, uh, oh, sorry. My dog's about to start it up again. The, the other thing, oh, God. You know what pissed me off? This is, gonna, mm. this is such a, sorry, my dog. You're fine. Don't worry about it. What really bothered me was after the food scene, he gets, oh, no, Beanie, are you Okay. Got the excited coughs slash gags. Okay, what really bothered me was after the food scene, they send him to bed and his food and his clothes are covered in yeah. food and he's dirty. And I'm like, this is, don't put him in bed like that. Like, I don't know, that weirdly like was a weird thing where I was like, come on, like, what's going on? They're like, that's like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It like really bothered me. <laughs> I was like, why, why that choice? It's it almost really abusive. Bothered- well, 
Yeah, yeah. and then it, okay, it also was so fucking weird to me. I get why they did it, but it was so weird where she, he was like, oh my god, you are my mom. You came back as my mom to take care of me. I'm like, one, she's been alive and been your aunt your whole life, you fucking weirdo. It's so weird. What? Ugh, I don't know. Something about it this time. Like, I understand, like, a kid is grieving and is, like, trying to find someone to latch onto and a mother figure, and, like, obviously it factors into the end, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah, something yeah. about it was just, like, of course, and a little bit, like, ugh. I'm fully with you on that where it's like, I know why you're doing this. I know it's going to create tension between the two boys. I know it's good. But like, it was like this weird thing where like, yeah, like Macaulay or not Macaulay, uh, Elijah Wood's character just kept saying it where he's like, she's, she's, she's my mom too. Mm-hmm. Like and, it, it and like just, that makes him seem like a little bit creepy as well. And yeah, I'm like, where it's like you're right. both just throw them both in the ocean. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Throw them both in the ocean. <laughs> that's terrible, but that's, reset. Honestly, hard that's, reset. That would have been a crazy ending. Crazy. I would have ending. laughed. I would have laughed. Oh my god! That I mean. Well, yeah. this ending ruined me as a kid. Same. So, same. Okay. This ending made me cry, like hysterically. Like I, my mom had this on. I think I was seven or eight. Okay. And. So and my mom had just it was getting had just moved in with a new guy who's my stepdad now with his son, my stepbrother. And oh. he watched this movie. And boy oh, oh boy, did this awaken feelings inside of my body and mind that I had never thought about before because this is gonna get heavy. Sorry, y'all, but like oh. nothing like that happened with my brother, but I was very much kind of cognizant of the two of us and our relationship to one another and our parents. And there's always been like an issue of favoritism in my family, um, with my mom yeah. favoring me over my stepbrother for lots of reasons. And so I watched this movie and like got into my head about who my mom would choose if oh. that situation was happening. Oh no. And then found out this guilt of being like, I'd be the one that my mom would choose. Oh my God. Wait, this was like in your little kid brain, like feeling all of this, right? Oh That's no. so existential, Mary Beth. And I was like, oh no. Oh God. This is the wor- the last thing I want to think about, about my mom having to pick which one of us to kill. And like <sighs> that idea of having that happen oh was so fucked up. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I told you it was fucked up. I told you. I told you it was fucked up. But then, like, I got really upset about, like, the mom having to choose the kid to kill. And I'd never seen a kid die in a movie before until I saw this movie. Mm. And they really show the kid dying. And I was like, holy shit. It's real. And, like, the idea of... Because, like, my brother, my se- I love my brother. He is, like, my brother. But, like, he was a weirdo. And so it was, like, all of these things in my head. And then it just, like, all culminated into, like, an anxiety attack that I did not know was an anxiety attack when I was a kid. Because oh, I was, like, man. with my Jesus. parents. I know. That's heavy. That's heavy. And to your point, they do show the death. They which do. I would, they do. Which, which. A- explicitly show the death. Explicitly, which. I didn't remember, and then rewatching yeah. it, I was like, "Holy shit!" I remember, I like mm-hmm. watching it now. I was like, "Oh shit!" They re- and that kind of like yeah. kudos, like as a horror fan, I was like, "Kudos to them." Yeah, like good job, you killed a kid. No one ever I does have to that. Admit, you, yeah. I laughed when she let go of Henry. <laughs> I started cackling. 
Oh, I felt sick. Little double boy falling to his death, and I started laughing. I felt so so ill again. I couldn't. I had like a. I was watching this, being like, "This is so melodramatic." There are some wild parts, but I still felt nauseous watching this because of like the mind space it put me in from when I was a kid. Yeah. And the worst part, and the part that has fucked me up forever, and it's not because of my family, is Mr. Highwayman. Oh, uh, I okay. Yes. Mr. Highwayman is this dummy that horrifying our boy Unabomber Mac- looking dummy. Yeah, yeah. that Macaulay oh, Culkin yeah. is like, I have a friend. Like, let's go play with a friend. <laughs> and they bring this mannequin to an overpass, and then throw the mannequin over the overpass and cause a ten car pileup. And whenever. I drive near an overpass. My Mm -hmm. ass is looking up to make sure that is not happening. Every overpass for every day of my life since I saw that movie, I will look and check. Because I am terrified that someone is going to do that. Yeah. Yes, I still do that now. That That part stuck with me so hard. Like, terrified me forever. And I am now always scared of things falling off of overpasses and causing accidents on the highway. It's so, it's so, it's funny because, okay, so that scene, the Mr. Highway of it all, is one of the scenes that I just didn't, like, it didn't, it wasn't seared into my brain the same way, but but it's like such a big moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's like, I, I was like, it's satisfying because you're like, this is a fucked up thing for this kid to do to try and like cause some chaos, right? Like, it was, a, it was, a, it was like in terms of actions that this kid could take, it was like, oh, that's pretty heightened so re-watching it i was like right that like i just i had this i i feel like i've been carrying for the past whatever 25 years or whatever carrying with me that feeling that you remembered mary beth like that you you had the memory of it so you look at the overpass but i forgot about that scene until rewatching it and going like right now i remember it and it brought back this weird feeling i had as a kid and i'm like i feel like i've been carrying this feeling for years not knowing why and it was just this feeling of like overpasses are fucked up like overpasses can there's some there's danger there you know and i don't like look at an overpass when i'm driving but it was like it reminded me that like there is this weird thing going underneath one feels weird for that reason yep. and it, it's like that scene i got to i got to say like i i thought that scene was Oh, that scene was Great. excellently directed. I thought the yeah. the RV that slides on its yeah. side. It's like I was I I did laugh where I was like, of course they had the RV to the full on skate like the first car like it was yeah, just a full yeah, on yeah. giant RV that flips over. I'm like drama it's drama it's great it's incredible yeah Yeah, it's like it's it's a very dangerous scene and it's i just i don't know i also his first that first scene where he or the whatever the first kill i guess was when he kills that dog i was just like god that was heavy for me to watch because i watched it this weekend and a lot of terrible news happened this weekend and a lot of terrible news mass shootings and all that happen fucking all the time right and it's just like watching that scene i was like ooh, watching this movie now hits a different chord because that kid that eight the kid that the age of like he is in that movie he'd be an adult now yeah and he i mean that those those behavioral issues are i mean it's just it's a very real person and i'm not it's like there's so many things Mm -hmm. to talk about in that regard but like watching re-watching this movie like in modern day and like that character study specifically like it's hard it's hard Mm -hmm. to watch it's not enjoyable no, no, it's not at all. 
and like everyone i feel like no like people joke about the good son a lot i feel like they're like haha sure. the good son. I, like my family does sometimes and i For like sure. i hate it when they joke about it because i'd be like that movie <laughs> Sorry. ruined my entire <laughs> life and like they always would joke about it and i was like this movie's not funny i don't understand don't watch it as a it's kid a when your funny, families are it's blend- a little funny again context here yeah, the blending of the family thing at yeah. a young age and you're just oh, like i don't no, understand no, any yeah. of this. this would be not the movie to watch when you are gonna have a blended family or you're like introducing yourself to like other parts of the family this is not that kind and of movie like, my no. brother not violent but like a little like a lot of behavioral issues so yeah. i was also like and then I it was terrible. It's like, my brother going to kill me? I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, this is like so fucked up. I'm so sorry. No, it's, but it's real. <laughs> it's, it's not real. funny, but it's like kind of funny when I think back <laughs> on it. And like, I was so full of anxiety as a child. That's like, and I still am, but like, I know what it is now. Not and like as a kid, I was like obsessed and like my brother was going to kill me in my sleep because I was the new kid in the house too. And I was oh just like, God. and he never ever expressed that kind of violence towards me. <laughs> yeah. Like I never right, actually right. felt unsafe, like for the most part, but I was like, oh my God, he's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> God. He didn't, obviously. <laughs> no, no, we, are, right. we are close now. But yeah, that... <laughs> Who has a number on you as a child when you're blending oh, yeah, families and you're imagine. like, who are you? Like, I'm used to just you. I'm used to just me and my mom against the world. And now there's yeah. two men. The other thing that I realize is that this is definitely an early 90s movie because the parents are so lax. Oh, my like, God. <gasps> the kids no are just kidding, out running around. Babysit yeah. yourselves when they go out to uh-huh. dinner. And I'm like, like you let that kid babysit? Like, how? I mean, well, first of all, how did y'all not fucking kind of see some red flags here? I know. I, well, I feel like he's not trying to hide it. It's <laughs> no, not like a secret. Is not. He has a no. fucking crossbow that shoots nails. Like, you yeah. don't just, like, have that. <laughs> yeah, like, how did you sure? Yeah. And they, like, never go to his secret shed? Like, they don't... Where they he, just find the ducky and all of a sudden everything clicks? Like, I know. oh man but this is definitely of that time because like i grew up i mean i grew up in the 80s and i lived i lived in alaska and i would when i lived in alaska i would leave the house on the weekends at like i don't know 11 o'clock and i would be out and about doing who knows what until dinner time and i'd come home and i'm like i'm talking about in alaska where like my the woods behind my my house had moose had bears had all sorts of dangerous animals and i'm just a seven eight year old just running through the woods no care in the world that's the way it was back then but this this movie brought me back like this is very lax parenting going on right now this would not lie today this movie would be unbelievable today because i think parents are a little bit more helicoptery in a lot of regards but oh absolutely absolutely yeah babysit yourselves yeah right the other thing is is like (laughs) there's a well in the cemetery I'm sorry. There's a well oh, with drinking water in the cemetery. Oh, ew, wait, <laughs> wait. Was that a cemetery? I didn't, oh, I didn't think I it missed... was. I didn't connect that people would like drink, like, took anything out of there. Right. Well, I mean, maybe they don't anymore, but that's why you have a well, and that's why there's water in it, it's a... and it's in a fucking cemetery. That's a... that's gross. It's disgusting. <laughs> that is what I immediately was like. Why is there a well in a cemetery? <laughs> Because what came first? Did they find water after they buried these bodies? Like, this sounds like a great place. Yeah, or did yeah. they go, we're going to start burying bodies around this well? Like, <laughs> it's it, either way. Yeah, it's <laughs> it clearly made notes that, like, also that tree fort that he has, that oh, that fucking health code violation. Oh, just everything where you're like, <laughs> why is this? 
don't the parents know that like he that he climbs up like a 50 foot tree to like hang out like none of this is safe this is so fucking but of course tree, i mean look tree houses are always where the bad shit happens too because we had a tree house and when I was great, well, not in a tree, it was like a fort that we built. It yeah. wasn't there because there was no, there's no fucking way to really put a tree house in a fucking tree. Like, come yeah. on now, guys. There is no, yeah, yeah. like, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, like, people, even when I was growing up, parents did not check what was going on in that tree house, and they should have. It wasn't, yeah. we weren't killing anything, but, like, good God. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird secret hideaway it's that just weird, parents yeah. never, yeah, yeah. They're like, there's nothing going on up there, and you're like, yeah, there is. God, we're just idiots. Like, why are you letting us have our own private space out of the house? So funny. The my favorite moment in the treehouse, I'm dying laughing after this, was Elijah Wood's character, Mark, that was his name, Mark, kind of, you know, taunts Macaulay Culkin about how Macaulay's mom is really his mom and blah, blah, blah. And then he starts to go down the tree and Macaulay Culkin goes, hey, Mark, Mark looks up at him and he goes, don't fuck with me. <laughs> Macaulay, yes. Ten-year-old Macaulay Culkin. Oh, my God. It was so good. I was dying laughing. I was like, no Way, how do I? How is this not talked about more? It's just, so to me. I'm like that should be just as iconic as like him slapping his cheeks in the mirror in Home Alone when he's putting the aftershave on. Like Macaulay Culkin just going, "Don't fuck with me." I'm like, Don't that is fuck the funniest me. thing I've ever seen. It was the best thing ever. And you know, you know that he was just relishing being able to say a curse word oh, because I remember, I remember as a kid, I, I did a little bit of acting, and I remember as a kid going trying out for this play, and the line was nice my sister's not nice she is a b-i-t-c-h and being so excited that i was gonna audition and that was gonna be the line i was i was gonna say and so you know that this i think he was like 12 years old at the time maybe 13 you know he was just relishing being able to say fuck oh yeah on the screen oh yeah for sure and what what a good casting choice to have him after home alone of being you know sort of america's sweetheart playing into that with this the cherubic eyes and he's he's so adorable and so beloved and to be like this bad seed character perfect character he's perfect so casting. good like especially when he comes down for the first time and he has the mask on he's like hello yes. and then like com- like he just Macaulay Culkin is really talented like the way he's able to like command a presence at that age is insane like how good he is at that and how good he plays Psycho as like a oh, creepy yeah. kid it was brilliant. It was it was incredible. I couldn't I couldn't look away. I was like, this is so. No matter how cheesy it got or whatever, I was like, and also yeah. Elijah Wood was was acting his ass off for a kid, but like mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin as a villain, just to be like as dark and fucked up as he was, it was he was incredible. He really like actually brought that character fully to life, and that was another thing that I think as a kid watching that movie. Being a huge Home Alone fan mm-hmm. and knowing Macaulay Culkin as Macaulay Culkin. And I think a lot of kids looked at him as sort of like his their friend. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I felt that way of like that. That's my like that could be a friend of mine. You know, like he's so yep. cool. He like does all the cool pranks in the house. And then to see him be this villain that's like a very dark villain. I think that like was very hard to watch. I think it was very. Yeah fucked up and like not act that kevin McAllister was a little fucking sociopath with all that shit that he made in his house though like let's be real yeah he was fighting bad guys but that fucking kid was a little bit of a psycho <laughs> that kid was for sure a problem child like 
Also, though, you know what? I ain't <laughs> that far removed from one another. Let's be real. <laughs> they're, they're not. <laughs> Honestly, they're kind of like, it's like kind of weirdly they're spiritual characters. But like, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, are they the same person? But what? This is like a different universe. Because, uh, rewatching Home Alone, by the way, Kevin McAllister had a terrible family. The kid oh, was, yeah. the kid was uh, neglected. Like the kid was like shit. Everyone was so hard on it. Kevin. He wasn't. Kevin wasn't that big of a pain in the ass. He was just a kid. And the parents and the uncles and the aunt. I was like, it's pretty disturbing to watch. I gotta say, <laughs> different movie, but Jesus Christ. No, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. But like um, this movie hit something for me that I think was just like me as a kid in this time period. Because you remember the movie Stepmom? It's very. It's different, but. Why do I remember that movie? Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon. And Susan Sarandon plays the mom of a family. Like, she gets divorced from her husband. Julia Roberts is the new mom. Susan Sarandon gets cancer. And they have to learn how to, like, work together to, like, cherish their family's moments together while she's still alive. And it's, like, the saddest shit I've ever seen. Like, it's, like, a heartbreaking movie. But, like, this is another movie that came out in this time of change and transition for me as a child in terms of coming together as families. And I think my dad got remarried or met a new person at this time. And, like, I was at this age where everyone was just, like, things were changing. And I was like, (laughs) death, step-parents, families coming together. Oh, my God. It's only going to end in disaster. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, oh, Stepmom no. and Good Son are very different movies, but just like the titles were so similar in my <laughs> yeah, head that like yeah, I yeah, associated yeah. them with one another. Yeah, and totally. of just like the experience of just families going through <laughs> horrific shit. So also that movie was directed by uh, Christopher Chris Columbus, it- who directed Home Alone. Oh, oh wow! wow. <laughs> Weirdly <laughs> coming together. Yes. Weird. Wow. <laughs> okay, th- there's two things I wanted to mention. Okay. One is Chekhov's Cliff. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> the fucking mom in her blue yes. dress standing yeah. on the cliff contemplating standing her dead son. Standing on the cliff son. the entire time. I was <sighs> like, you know, you know that's where the, the dramatic moment is oh, going to happen. God. Because it's, it was like, it's Chekhov's cliff. And that, that made me kind of laugh. And then the other one is that for some reason I kept staring at the at the, at the the mom um, who's who's played by uh, Wendy Crewson. And I kept thinking, why does she look familiar? And this is such a small moment, a small thing. But it was bothering me to the point that I realized she has, uh, I think her name is what, Carla Gugino? She has her eyes. And I kept thinking that it was Carla <gasps> Gugino. Because her eyes have the same oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. look. And it's just a small thing, but I was it was bothering me the entire movie. Because I was like, why does she look so familiar? And I kept looking up the movies that she was in. Is she related? She has no. Carla's eyes. They're not. I don't think oh, okay, so. Okay, okay. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, that cliff. Talk about like all the writery stuff that was in the movie. That that mm-hmm. right there. I was like, oh, my God, this is so well. And also the parallel of Elijah Wood likes to go into the middle of the desert and just stand on a rock and look out and contemplate. Yep. And then so mm-hmm. does she like it's desert uh, and water. You know. So cheesy. God. But the speaking of the desert, the last scene of the movie. Oh, Henry is gone, and the rest of us are safe. But sometimes, late at night, I find myself thinking, not about Henry, and not about Su- but about Susan, and wondering, if she had to do it all over again, would she make the same choice? I guess I'll always wonder, but I'll ne- I know I'll never ask. And I kept thinking, Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> I, I kept thinking, because it was like... I, 
so old man looking back at his life and this kid is what nine ten or whatever 13 maybe and looking back at his life as if life his life is over and i would always remember i can't believe that that was never like i just there was it's just those choices in the movie where you're like nobody said don't do that nobody (laughs) everyone said okay let's print it and get it out there like I couldn't be- that when he was doing the dialogue, it was one of those moments where it was just like, "Is this happening right now?" Oh my god! And then it cuts to credits, and you're like, "That you can't, yeah. you can't end the movie that way. You can't do that." I know. I was dying. I was like, "Wait, they really did just end on like a crane shot of them like on the cliff together with a fucking yes. voiceover from Elijah Wood about his dead cousin." Yes. Did she adopt him after that? Like, what? Ha- what's the aftermath? And this is why I can't watch these movies. Because I'm like, do you just move home and, like, never think about it again? Like, what the fuck does your does she say? Does she admit that she dropped him? Like, what is that? Also, yeah. it's just a two-week period. This was a period of two weeks that this all shit, all this, this shit went down. Because he was gone for two weeks in Tokyo. And... I mean, not to say that, like, Macaulay Culkin's character wasn't, like, you know, sociopath before, but he went from being, like, a hidden sociopath to a fucking murderer yeah. in a span of two weeks. Yeah. But I I, all, I do like the ending in, in terms of, like, the, the whole – because as, as you said, Devin, you know, there's a lot of grief in this. There's a lot of guilt in this. And so there's that that feeling at the very beginning of the movie that he feels guilty because he said he could – you know, his mom was – he was going to save his mom. Right. His mom was going to die. Right. And by the end of the movie, he's still feeling that kind of, like, guilt of, like – oh, did she make the right choice? Does she think she made the right choice? And there's a lot of guilt there, too. So, I mean, it kind of comes around full circle and it doesn't give you an easy answer, which I appreciate. But it also is definitely a a little ham-fisted. 100%. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, you you really, like, honed in on your themes, but damn it, did you do it in a cheesy way. It was just hardcore. (laughs) All right. So, you watched this as a kid, terrified you. You watched it now as an adult. Do, Do you still find it scary? I mean, no. Or affecting? <laughs> no. I mean, the amount of laugh. No. 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 I, I, I can't. I can't. After after this entire conversation and admitting that I can still be scared, this is one that I. Uh, this ain't it. This ain't doing it. Um, I. It was, but I. It did. It did. Like there were scenes where I was like, okay, I feel unsettled, and I feel like I think it's accomplishing like that. In the sense where I'm like, okay, this is unsettling. This is, I don't feel good. I feel like I, I'm on the edge of my seat a little bit. And then I feel like maybe seven, it's like a 70 30 split where 70% of it, you're just like, what? Why? Really? <laughs> ha ha ha. And then you're like, ooh, that's fucking dark. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it doesn't scare me. No, it does not. All right. Well, so on that note, let's give us our ratings out of five. Yes. <laughs> Terry, starting with you. How many Mr. Highways out of five do you give the good son? Yeah, I know. Uh, Okay, so I, you know, when I, I, man. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a lot of fun watching this movie as an adult, but I I have a very sick sense of humor. I found it incredibly funny. I know, Mary Beth, that you're like, how can you find this funny? I found it incredibly funny. I found it very darkly comedic. I did think there are some elements of it that are like, 
a little on the nose or a little like poorly executed in terms of I don't know what happened in the editing room, (laughs) just the choices that were made. I'm like, I don't understand. But I had a lot of fun watching this. I I don't think it's the best movie. I'm gonna, but I enjoyed it. So I have to give it. I think three Mr. Highwaymen that causes what? What would that? A thirty car pile of them? I guess. <laughs> Ten. Oh yeah, yeah sorry. Well, Good, right. sorry. Times Pardon three. Me. Yep. Yep. Times three. Uh, so I, I'm gonna give it three. I had it. I had a lot of fun, and this conversation was great. So three for me. What about you, Mary? <laughs> I gotta give it two. This movie is not fun for me, and like obviously it's a very contextual situation with me. Well, um, absolutely. So obviously everyone take that with a grain of salt. But watching it again, one definitely way more cheesy melodramatic than I remember it being <laughs> as a child. It still makes me nauseous. So I guess good for them for still being able to <laughs> to elicit that kind of emotional reaction from me, but. I'm glad to chat about it. It still makes me uncomfortable. It's (laughs) and even more so now that it's like kind of cheesy and funny. It's even weirder in my head. So it's gonna just have to be a two from me on that one. But um, Devin, you have the final word. How many Mr. Highways out of five do you give this one? This movie, I like I said before, uh, having suggested it, I had no idea how it was gonna hold up. All I remembered from it was this deep feeling of sadness and and that final scene, which I knew was fucked up. So in my, you know, coming to it, coming back to it and seeing, you know, seeing what it what it actually is uh, for what it is. I was actually I thought it was going to be it is really funny. It is really dark. Like me. I agree with you, Terry. And I think like I but it also hit certain notes really well that I it surprised me how certain things actually held up that I have to give it three Mr. Highways out of five um, I give it I, I give it uh, I gotta give it some credit alright well thank you Devin so much for joining us to talk about the good son where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you can share and plug listeners can find me on social media uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Devin P. Doss uh, and then what I have coming up uh, June 7th keeping company um, available to rent or own on video on demand um, which you know your Apple TVs your Amazon primes voodoo Microsoft all that good stuff um, and then I have uh, a comedy Weschlagenhof is dying uh, that will be world premiering at Tribeca on June 9th and it will also be available through Tribeca for virtual screening starting June okay, June 11th good. so people at home if you want to uh, attend virtually and watch the movie check it out and once we know what's going on distribution wise there you know that'll be down the road but yeah Hell yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. Of course. This is the best. Listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with The Good Son? I <laughs> love had a very to hear difference it. of opinion. So. <laughs> a range of experiences emotionally with this one. Um, but you can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scar Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.